What's up, guys? Super excited to let you know that we're now releasing transcripts of the podcast. It's linked in the podcast description. You can also find it on LinkedIn at Danny Langloss in our documents section. If you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do. We're releasing leadership content daily, really driving a ton of engagement. It's our main platform. If you haven't already for the podcast, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating or a review. That really helps us reach more people organically. Thank you very much. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Today, I'm joined by Mary Grothy, the CEO of SalesBQ, and House of Revenue. And we're going to talk about the true responsibilities of leaders. She's got some insights that are going to blow you away today and are going to be just incredible strategies to help move you and your team forward. She loves scaling companies to their first 5 million, then 10, 15, 20 million. Her company helps companies who have reached their revenue plateaus get past it. She's understood how important their people are to that. They, they help you know, re, regenerate, remodel, progressive, innovative in the of areas of sales and marketing departments. And they're just having an incredible, incredible impact. So she's going to talk a little bit about her journey, a little bit about that. And then one thing that, that I really loved in our discovery call during COVID, she did a lot of self-reflection, a lot of looking at her leadership, key things. Uh, and and there's some transformation there. And so she's going to talk about those things, share those things with us today. She's also the host and her company runs the House of Revenue Radio, which is a podcast, I believe, wherever you can find podcasts. We'll find out more in just a minute. So Mary, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. So so Mary, could you share with us a little bit about your companies and what it is that you guys do? Because it's, it's not only fascinating and insightful, <laughs> but wow, the difference you're making when you're going and helping companies is just phenomenal. Well, I appreciate that. I'm a former top salesperson and I've loved the sales profession. It was my first real job. I had a sales manager that brought me into that world. I didn't have any experience or a college degree, but he saw potential in me and it just put me on the fast track to some pretty amazing success and an awesome sales career. With that, after my first couple of years of tremendous uh, results and numbers, they asked me to start training reps and managers across the country. So I grew a heart for developing others and also helping them become incredible in the sales profession. I then started on my entrepreneurial journey. In 2017, I started Sales BQ. And this was after two different stints with the payroll and HR company I had sold for, as well as a prior stab at entrepreneurship that if you really want to dig into that, we can talk about more like a, a failed attempt, a very expensive and tiring attempt at entrepreneurship. But the second time around, my heart was for CEOs who were in that one to maybe three million range. And this is how we started. I wanted to go in and build the highest performing sales org possible. For many of our clients, it was getting the CEO out of the CEO sale and into their first sales hire. For others, it was their second, third, fourth, fifth hire as we were building out the teams. Our team grew, and within a year and a half, we collectively agreed 
that our sales teams that we were building for these clients, they were hitting ceilings and they weren't growing and they weren't scaling. We felt like they were held back. So we doubled in size, organically grew an offering for our clients for all facets of marketing, inbound lead generation, everything from rewiring their brand, their website, their social, organic, and paid media strategies, all the way through working account-based marketing, ABM, and account-based sales, and that funnel, we started to breathe life into these sales teams. The results were skyrocketing. We homegrew a RevOps division, that's revenue operations, started having a say in our client's tech stack, all things automation, as well as the operational workflow of the customer from the first touch point in marketing and expanded our services all the way through customer success. So now we were 360 on the revenue ecosystem. In 2020, we had nine full-service clients. We call them full-scale-ahead clients. On average, they spent just under $200,000 for our services, but we grew them $3.2 million on average. A couple of those clients more than doubled in size, and on average, we were doubling MRR for our clients' monthly recurring revenue within 10 months. So as we go into this year, the mission and the passion are strong, And we're currently working with 12 companies nationwide, and we can dig into any of that that you want to. Wow. That's just incredible. So when I think about leadership, I think about vision, culture, strategy, execution. So the work that you're doing with with your clients and your companies, is that focus really strategy-based? Are you guys also doing people-based, culture-based um, cause I know we're going to transition into the culture of your company and your mm-hmm. leadership and, and your growth and some things you've really dialed in on, but, but yeah, take a shot at that with, with what you guys are doing. You really strategy based when you're doing that, or is it a combination? It's strategy and tactical execution. So the reason our services are 200 grand a year is these clients get a VP of marketing, a VP of revenue who oversees sales and customer success, a RevOps analyst and our entire marketing team. And what we're able to do is rebuild their entire revenue infrastructure for each department, but we actually roll up our sleeves and do the work. So it's not just, here's your gap. Here's everything you should do. Here's a 50 page audit on SEO on your website. (laughs) It's like, we actually put together the playbook, the revenue playbook for the company encompassing every revenue department, but then we implement it because the only perfect plan is the one still sitting on the shelf. And I think that that's where a lot of consultancies or agencies may fall short. They, they probably do excellent work on the front end, identifying here's where the opportunities are, here's a manual, an SOP or a playbook, now go implement it. So what we've come to realize is that if CEOs and leadership teams were able to implement it by themselves, they would have done it by now. The fact of the matter is they're busy, they're wrapped in the reactive needs of the business, And every time there's a future planning project, it's getting put on the back burner. The urgent always takes place over it. And then it's a half-baked effort to get things rolled out. And then it never works. And what they find themselves doing is repeating what they've always done, which is not going to get them past their revenue plateau or set to scale. So yes, the power in our work is not only are we strategic and visionary, but we actually put the team together to do the work. And then the last part, it's not leased or outsourced. We work for that company for six to 18 months. We build the revenue engine within their walls. Wow. And then they keep it and we train their team how to do it and to take it over from us. And so it seems to be foolproof. Our clients continue to scale after we leave. Wow. 
that that's really impressive. That's incredible. So you you get them to the point where you're fixing these strategies, these systems, processes, big focus on marketing, sales, the, the whole the whole line, and your people are actually doing it, and then they're helping the transition to where then this company has their own people that are able to do this and sustain once you guys leave. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And we won't leave until the handoff has happened and the internal team is operating at the fullest level because human beings are unpredictable. And some people are very good at interviewing. And so, I mean, we, we have helped our clients tremendously with weeding out talent that they really want to have. We see the red flags that they don't, and we help bring in really great talent, but people are still unpredictable and they're expensive. And um, it just happened not that long ago, uh, last year where we brought in a leader who we all loved. We fell in love with. They met all the marks. They bring this person in. It was not the right hire. And if we had jetted early and said, here you go. The client would have been hosed and they would have thrown away everything that we had done. And so we stepped in to help to get that person replaced proactively so that we could ensure that the engine was running smoothly, continuing to perform, continuing to reach new levels before we exited. Because that's just one of the biggest fears of our clients is you guys might be great while you're here, but then what? And then it's just written in our in our promise. Well, I think about what it is you guys do, and it's it's fascinating. So we're taking a little deeper dive than we did in our discovery call. And you know, one of the things about great leaders is they're great multipliers. And one of the most important leadership skills is coaching, right? Because as leaders, it's not our job anymore to do the things, it's to take care of the people who do the things. And as I think about this, it's the same thing you guys are doing, but you're doing it with companies mm-hmm. and instead of individual team members. And, mm-hmm. and that's pretty phenomenal that you're able to go in and and do that. And so over this past year, you talk about, and that's incredible leadership, right? I mean, that's, that is incredible leadership. So over this, you know, past year during COVID, you Mm -hmm. kind of had some mindsets around leadership going into COVID. And a lot of that kind of flipped upside down on his head, changed dramatically, had some revelations. And I found that really interesting. And in the discovery call, can you take us through that? What, what that was, what that was about? And then can we talk about, I think you had three things that were really significant that we wanted to share today with, with our leaders. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be very honest and transparent here. When I started my company, I was young. I'm st- I like to think I'm still young. Um, that was three and a half years ago. I had wisdom to gain and I have matured significantly since I started the company. Initially, I was coming off of this workaholic, succeed at all costs, get it the job done, no matter what it takes mentality. And I showed up into the organization with so much urgency. I like to call it also passion, a lot of passion. I'm sure you can sense that in me. Oh yeah. Because I was really just intense. And I was that leader that came in. And when I was in the office, it was stressful, I think, to other employees. And I was just constantly getting in all the projects, trying to move things forward. I had my hands in everything. And I had this belief that people couldn't do it as good as I could do it. Therefore, I needed to be involved in everything. And it wasn't good. I wasn't I wasn't grooming my team to be brilliant in the work. I set this precedence that if you do a mediocre job, uh, Mary will just come in and fix it for you. 
because she's not going to let something bad go out to the client. Well, then we started scaling ourselves. We, we had three over 300% growth between year one and year two. We went from about half a million to 1.5 million. And in that million of scale from a half to 1.5, it was utter and sheer chaos that happened within our company. But if you had asked me that during the time, I would have told you cool as a cucumber that we are fantastic and we have our internal house in order and everything is fine and we are excellent. I couldn't see the forest through the trees. I didn't know what was happening. Well, (laughs) I'll tell you what was happening. We grew so fast that we didn't build the infrastructure that we needed to. We were scaling chaos. I did not have visibility into the key metrics I needed to in order to know how a project was going. Therefore, by the time something got to to me, it was usually not good news. So I was the chief firefighter. I didn't have time to mentor, coach, develop, or even talk to my people because I was servicing six or seven clients myself, in addition to running a seven or eight person organization. Not to mention during that time, when I started the company, my son was 15 months old. My husband and I had been married for, let me do the math, four years, three years, hold on. 17, 14, three years, he knew what was in my heart and he knew how badly I just felt so destined to be an entrepreneur. And he was the greatest support to me ever, but he let me get away with it. I was traveling every week. I wasn't home. I wasn't a mom. I wasn't a wife. And I certainly wasn't showing up as a leader to my team. Yet I thought everything was going great because per the definition of this world, we scaled 300% in one year. We did 1.5 million. I was up for awards. We were nominated for company awards. I won um, awards for like top keynote speaker. And I'm like, look, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I wasn't doing anything other than just breeding chaos. Talk about how leaders multiply. Guess what I was multiplying? Not good because the seeds I was planting were not good. And you harvest the seeds, you reap what you sow. And I had the moment of a lifetime packaged in something that didn't look like the moment of a lifetime called COVID (laughs) hit me (laughs) like a ton of bricks. I remember two months prior to COVID hitting or three months, December of 2019, I was sitting a part of a women's CEO group. I was sitting with them going around talking about our accomplishments crying tears of pure joy i've made it 1.5 million in two years we are the greatest i've accomplished everything i'm on top of a mountain i have it all i was so proud of myself three months later the world comes crashing down everything shuts down in two and a half days excuse me in three days i lost 60 percent of our client revenue. It was cancellation after cancellation. I had $1.2 million in the pipeline, completely dried up. I had maybe four or five. uh, We do recruiting for our clients as well. And that's a big revenue generator for us. And I think I had four or five recs that our team was actively working on that were pulled from us immediately. So there's another hundred grand coming out of our projected revenue. And um, it was extremely scary. I had never experienced anything like it in my life. And I was rocked to the core. I had, I am a complex problem solver. I didn't know how to solve this problem. I remember having trips that were canceled, speaking engagements that got pulled. I was grounded. Everybody was, I had to stay home. I had been traveling every week. 
So now I was confined to my house, which I had barely spent time in because I was in the office five days a week. I would leave the house at 545 or actually probably earlier than that, but in the morning and I was never home, never present. So now I'm forced to be in my house and I felt foreign in my own house. And I'm sitting on the living room floor with my son and my husband, and I'm just bawling hysterically because I absolutely feel like I couldn't control anything in the situation, which is a very scary place for me to be. And I didn't know what to do. And I looked over at my son and I realized I didn't even recognize my kid. He, I haven't been around. I'm like, wow, he looks really grown up. And I look over at my husband and I have this moment of what a saint. He has put up with this. And as this is coming crashing down for me, he's here for me with all the love and support, willing to do whatever he needs to do to help me. What a great man. And I realized at that point I had it all wrong. The other component was with my internal team. I started to realize when we didn't have a lot of work to do, All of a sudden, I had an opportunity to put attention on what we were doing. And I realized this was wrong and it wasn't right. I was given the opportunity to rebuild my personal life and to rebuild my company. But it only came after a moment of full surrender. I gave it to God that day in a way I hadn't before. And it was full surrender for me to say, just take the company. Because clearly, I am not a good steward of this and I'm not doing it right. And I could so clearly feel that that wasn't the answer. My pastor at the time did a series called Unshakable, and it was talking in Matthew 24 to 27 about he who builds his house on the rock, it withstands the storm, he builds it on the sand, it's the fool, and, you know, storm comes. Okay. And I thought, that's it. I built the house of my life and the business on the sand. And I'm like, no, okay, not everything was bad. There's still some good here. So now it's time to rebuild. And I realized I had to do it on the inside first. My priorities were off. I had to fix that. I made a commitment to my family that I was going to work 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. I was with my son every single morning. I took him to school. It was starting to warm up temperature-wise here in Denver. So I walked him to school every day. I pick up, pick him up from school. I'd also walk over there and pick him up. My husband works a lot of overtime in the summer. So I would just walk with my son over to a restaurant. We'd have these dates like every night. Oh, excuse me. No restaurant at that point. That was later when it opened up in the summer, but we, we all know that it took some time, but I had these date nights with my son, the relationship internally for me, I started to heal. I slept like I haven't slept in years. I slept like I had mono. I mean, it was years of me working hundred hour work weeks and driving myself into the ground that I finally got to rest. Like, I feel like I healed at the cellular, I can't say the word cellular level internally on the inside out. When I started to get right with myself, I could start to be right with others. I dove into the word. I dove into uh, inspirational books. I dove into the knowledge and wisdom of my peers. And I actually started to listen for the first time. Common leadership principles that I can recite and I know are very common that I thought I was doing, I acknowledged I wasn't. So here's what I changed. I got right with myself so I could get right with others. The first thing I did in order to get right with others was encourage them to get right with themselves. My team was also experiencing stress, panic, misfortune. They were had spouses, significant others that were losing their jobs. They had family members 
members that were getting sick. And I help them get right with themselves and coach them through that to be whole from the inside out. Serve first. That became our new core principle. Number one, serve first, serve ourselves first. Then we did have to trim our team and we were left with our best, brightest, most brilliant talent. And together we decided we were going to serve each other first internally. So serve ourselves first and serve each other before we went out and serve the client. And that meant we started to get right with our teamwork, camaraderie, collaboration, We built the infrastructure that we never had. We had frameworks, framework templates, a new project management system. We started to work through everything that was wrong so we could all be clear on delegation expectations. We got right with ourselves as a team. Then we realized we had to shift our mentality with our client. If we were experiencing these emotions and challenges, uh, our CEO clients, they probably were too. And we needed to connect with them at a level that we never had before. So the extension of that core principle serve first, then went to our clients. And we had to sit down and level set and rebuild relationships so that they knew our heart and our intention was to serve them before scaling their company. And it was to do right by them, no matter what. That meant being a little bit more of a coach to them than we had been in the past and really aligning with their heart and their mission Then our second core value is scale second. So serve first, scale second. Second, With the new collaboration that we had and the refreshing of our own souls, we were better human beings. We were smarter. We were coming to work more refreshed. We had more to give. And with the collaboration, we were now tapping into multiple brains. So we became so much smarter. We rewrote our process on how to scale revenue. We were listening to what was shifting in the different industries based on the pandemic. We had our eyes through learning and education on new strategies, new tactics, and we brought forth winning strategies and tactics to our clients. And we were brilliant in the scale in 2020. We scaled all nine of our full scale ahead clients, hundred percent success rate could not have been done without these. And our third core value became succeed always, which just means there's a different definition to success than what the world may have given all of us. It's not about reaching that revenue milestone. It's not about that big exit with the company. There are There's success in little things and how we treat people and how we show up and how we are. You use the term again, as leaders, we, we multiply. What are you multiplying? And we realize that when we can come to work the right way, we can multiply that light that's inside of us and the love. And that sounds so kumbaya, but my gosh, it works. And we are living proof of that. So there were three components that I'd love to transition into, but I'll pause here to get your, your feedback. But the the learning from this was without being right in myself and what I had done to my family, a family that I prayed for and wanted so badly and how quick I was to neglect because of this entrepreneurial fire inside of me, which those of us listening and know we have it, the thing is a beast and it can blind us but the bees can be tamed and you can live your best life, but with both sides, personal and professional, they can cohabitate and it can work. So that's my advice there. Wow. So much great, so much great information. I love the the core values there. Serve first, scale second, succeed always. One of the, the leadership lessons we talk about a, a good amount is if we don't 
take care of ourselves. There's no way we can take care of others to the level that we want to take care of and serve them. And, and that's mm-hmm. just huge. I heard, you know, you talk about synergy, the force, the force multiplier. When you create a great team, right? A, a, a diverse team, a, a team with different perspectives, and, and you put these incredible people together, the multiplier of that, if you've got a 10 person team, isn't 10 times, it's like a thousand mm-hmm. times. And so as you talked about that, I heard Synergy of Champions. And then there's so much power in listening and truly understanding what it is that we're taking in, what it is that people are saying, what the best practices are, what the training and the, and the research says. So, so, so much, so much there. And then, you know, those two revelations about one family. I tell you, coming up through my career, I, I started my career as a police officer, worked through the ranks. I was a detective. You know, I missed the first six years of my kids' lives. And, you know, you, you thought that's what you had to do. And when I became the police chief, it, it was more of that, except I'm balancing coaching and everything else. And, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have to push that much in. It's about focusing on that eight or nine hours or seven or whatever you're there and being able to, to channel it in the right way. And, and there's never, I don't really believe in total balance, but what I believe in is what are our priorities and how are we giving to each of them what, what we need to give to them. And, and as CEOs, the other thing that you and I really align on is we both have this passion mm-hmm. and we've got to be careful. And I'm not saying you have to be, but you talked about it with that coming across as intensity oh, yeah. because intensity, the, the way that can push off into people can be really, really negative. And so there's a line between that, between that and the emotional intelligence it took uh, and, and using this gift of COVID, which I believe COVID has, has been a gift to us in many ways. Um, it's, it's just amazing. So let, wow. It, what a, what a story people listen. It just gotta be blown away. I know I am, I've got kind of goosebumps from hearing what it is you guys have done, what you've overcome, that reflection, your struggle, the way you've taken incredible adversity and challenge and turned it into incredible opportunity and success. That's what it's all about. So let's talk about these three key responsibilities or, or lessons, however you want to classify them for, for leaders, for, for CEOs. There's something you talked about in a podcast I listened to you did called the 75-100 rule. Can we start there? Yes, I'd love to. I have to say one thing though. Yeah, you go. I forgot something. Go, you go. House of Revenue. In December of 2020, after all of this, we went through a full rebrand of our company, a new name and a relaunch into House of Revenue to simply say, you have to build your house on an unshakable foundation and that all components of revenue being marketing, sales, customer success, rev ops should live in the same house and not be siloed strategies, neighbors apart from each other. They need to be in the same house. They have to be working together. And of course it has that super powerful meeting with building the house on the rock. So I had to insert that because this whole COVID situation led me to that rebrand to better articulate who we are and what we do. So I just had to put a bow on that. Let's talk about, (laughs) let's talk about the 75, 100 rule. As a CEO, as a leader, you are a 100. That means you're at the peak. You're, you're the best. You're the most brilliant in your company. You're a hundred out of a hundred. That's why you're running the company. Unfortunately, most CEOs 
in their growth and expansion plans, as they hire, they're looking for other 100s. And some of us as CEOs actually don't even understand and can fathom because we can do the work at a, as a, at a one, as a 100 at a 100 level, why someone else can't. And then we get frustrated with that. So I'm going to give you a clear example, but let me tell you this, those who are not a 100 on their best day. So the majority of the people that we're going to employ in our companies are fifties. They're half of what we can do. That still does that. That's not bad. They're fifties which means they're brilliant in their work and they're still doing a great job, but they're not at our level. If they were at our level, they would be running their own company and they're not. And so we have to build our KPIs and metrics and expectations and the way that we treat them and understand them. We have to put that in perspective at a 50. Now, most people who are 50s, they can have really great days or really excel on projects or do well in certain uh, environments or situations, they may peak up to that 75. So you can see some really great tendencies when they're at 50 to 75 range, which I believe is extremely healthy. Anyone under a 50 is probably not the right person for the role. So rating them within that role and those expectations peaking to 75, you will over time, mentor, coach, develop, and groom people who are going to go past that 75. They're going to become 80s. They're going to become 90s. And you'll notice when they get above 85, there's going to be some weird tension because they are starting on their path to becoming a 100 and they need to go run their own company. You need to either promote them, give them more responsibility. If they are a true key employee and asset to your organization, this is if you want to retain them, and ensure that they have quality of life and they're very happy there, you've got to talk about opening up equity. There's got to be deferred comp. You have to bring things into the conversation that give them the owner's mindset, but they're actually treated and valued and compensated as an owner. And if you're not willing to do that, then you need to help them on their path to go be somewhere where they can have all of those things. But it will not work out for you in the long run as that person is elevating past that 85 to try to stuff them down and hold them down because you need to let them go whether it's with you into a higher role or let them go on their own adventure. I'm speaking from experience. I certainly started out as a 50 and worked my way up. And I started to have those 85s and 90s. Uh, and I just knew like I'm destined for something greater and I needed to do my own thing. I didn't do so great the first time around, but I was young. And the second time around have been much stronger in that. And I could never fathom working for anyone else ever again. So keep that in mind on the 175 rule. No, I love that. I love that. It's, uh, it was something that, that we struggled with on our leadership team because as the 100, as the CEO, as the police chief or Lieutenant, as, you know, as a middle little manager, as a vice president of a company, you see things, they're automatic to you. You're able to do things. And when your people don't, you know, what I start to hear from people is, well, they're lazy or they don't care or whatever it is. Right. And it's like, no, they're not lazy. Why would we first think they're lazy? They, yeah. If they had your skill and your talent, they'd be running the company. They'd be in this position. So it's our job as leaders. We talked about that skill earlier as, as coaches and to work with our people. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a really interesting concept. And when, when you shared it on your podcast and I heard that, I'm like, that's something that I want to make sure we share with our listeners uh, and, and you just, you bring it about so well. The second thing I want to, I want to talk about with it is that, look, when, if somebody works their way up and grows and is ready to spread their wings and we don't have that kind of position for them, instead of being upset or holding it against somebody, 
we got to be excited for them. We got to help them because if somebody leaves and goes off, whether they start their own company, go, go to another organization, you know, you, you were living beyond the walls that you've created within your company because mm -hmm. they grew and developed under the work that, that you're doing and your organization and your leadership. And so for me, that's just expanding the impact that we have in the world. And, you know, I just seen a lot of people that as soon as they know somebody's looking or thinking about doing something else, it's, they're treated different. They're shut out of the conversation. They're, they're not allowed to go to training. They're almost like blacklisted. And, and it's just a really a terrible mentality. Uh, oh, yeah. to have. And so I love the perspective you bring to that, Mary. Well, thank you. I mean, it goes into this mentality again, expanding on the serve first. Like, let's make this actually come to life in that specific scenario. I tell my team and they know I've made a big shift. I've learned to genuinely care about them as human beings and value them. I wasn't doing that before. The value was specifically tied to the deliverable and the quality of work that they produced and the outcome it received. I didn't see them. I also had this thought that I had my arms wrapped around them. They were mine and that's wrong. <laughs> I took ownership of them as key assets to the organization and I still wasn't seeing them as people. When everything shifted for me, I think it was like the Grinch and my heart grew like 10 sizes or whatever <laughs> because I'm looking at this team now through more of like motherly eyes. And I look at this team, maybe it's because I'm older now, but I look at them and I want to just hug them and care for them and bring them into our family and nurture them and to turn them into the best versions of themselves as possible. So as soon as I stop doing client work, all of a sudden I have all this time to actually lead and manage this team. Okay, great. So serve first for each person. I had to realize I wasn't expressing anything of value, meaning they didn't understand how they were perceived to me. They didn't know how they were deemed valuable in my eyes. So we fixed that right away. One, we adjusted the comp plan because their comp plan, their bonus was tied to the amount of revenue directly tied to their clients that they serviced. So if they had a client roll off and their revenue carries, what we called it decreased, their bonus decreased. I thought that was just a great financial model because it was money in, money out on my P&L. But they actually started to feel devalued or less value if their revenue carry was low. And to the point they thought they were going to lose their job. I'm like, what? I am so glad someone brought that to my intention because I would never want someone's value to be tied with the amount of work that they're doing and the amount of money that they service. So we fixed that. So we have one profit share bonus now that we all play in, which is great. And it's not tied to any specific client, but I also realized that they have not been hearing it out of my mouth, how I value them. And so we've changed how feedback is given, how praise and recognition is given, how one-on-ones are constructed, delivered and run in a way that they can always feel valued, but also I now have tapped in to understand who they are as human beings, their God-given talents, their purpose on this planet, and making sure that the work that they're doing is fulfilling and they're living out their life's work while working for me. I realized how lucky I am that at a young age, I had enough risk tolerance and fire and passion to my own company and work for myself so that I could have this ability to wake up every morning and say, this is my best life. And I am so happy. And I'm so thankful I get to do this. I would never want an employee working for me to have a mismatch to where they felt like this was a job that they had to do it. No, 
you either love being here and this is a place where you can flourish, or I will help you find something else. The reverse of that is I tell them when it comes time for them to move on in their journey, I'll support them. And I tell them, don't ever worry about coming to me. You'll always be met. I know I'm very passionate, but with calmness and that conversation. And and when you're ready for the next big adventure, let's figure it out. Let's figure out how we can make that transition so that I'm not holding you back, but our clients are taken care of and it's the right timing. And so uh, this is true. And we started to implement this. Well, guess what we did in the last six months? We graduated two of our team members. One actually went to go work for one of our clients and another one went and got a job offer for this dream role that a normal 28 year old is not going to be getting. And so seeing the outcome of that and developing this talent, they were two of my longest standing employees. And it was a very emotional for me, but in a way it was just such a moment of celebration because I know they wouldn't have those opportunities if it wasn't for their time with this company. And my hope and my prayer is that they are developed to the point where they can go flourish in their roles and continue that path. So we cannot hold people down. We cannot, as a CEO, is it a great responsibility? You've been given the power and the authority over actual human beings, like lives. And the way that you treat them, the culture that you create, whether you are purposefully doing it or it's happening (laughs) for things that you're influencing and you're not even aware of, that is going to dictate how those people live their lives. And it has a ripple effect. So it is your responsibility to get in touch with your people, figure it out and make sure you are serving greater humanity and really being the light and loving these people and help them further into their lives so that they can wake up every day at a young age and say, I'm aligned with my purpose and my passion and I'm living the best life. That shouldn't happen when you're 65 years old and you retire and you're finally able to get out of the job that you had to do because you worked for the man because you thought it was the only way to provide for your family. Like we have to get out of that mentality. We do. There is such great responsibility in leadership. And what I just heard you describe is the concept we share and talk about a lot that has to do with leading the whole person. You know, we understand that people walk through our doors and they bring those human things. You know, today they bring, I'm, I'm now a teacher because my kids are homeschooling. They, they, they bring the issues and struggles of taking care of family members be, because of COVID. They, you know, uh, some, of our, some of our members bring to work the, the extreme pressures of everything around social justice and issues between police and, men, and communities mm-hmm. of color. But can, just like when they bring that stuff in, right? We got to focus on leading the whole person, what they're experiencing within our organizations, they're taking back out with them too. And it has such an incredible impact on their lives. And if we're creating this incredible environment of, of caring and belonging and psychological safety and support, leading the whole person, putting in positions to reach their full potential, really aligning purpose to where they're coming to work because they're on fire and they love what they're doing, as you talked about, well, that's going to translate as they walk out the door to be a better husband or wife, a better Mm -hmm. mom or dad, a better better friend in the quality of life. So the impact we have there, you impact so many different things. (laughs) Daniel Peake's got some research that talks about the three main motivating factors uh, for human beings, especially in the workplace. And the three are autonomy, Uh, The second one is uh, purpose and the third one's mastery, (laughs) right? And so all the things that you just described in the environment that you've now created within your companies, right? You're, you're, you're aligning purpose. People understand purpose and then to be there, 
you want them lit on fire with that purpose, accomplishing that purpose. You're giving them the skills, the tools, the coaching, the resources, that mastery you talked about. I love the the way you put that. You know, two we graduated two employees, right? But then the autonomy, the the trust and respect that you don't need to stand over and micromanage them, hold them through, handhold them through their work, and and those kinds of environments are what what people need right? Those are the things that truly, truly motivate people. So we've got a few minutes left. Let's talk about, and I think you've talked about it quite a bit, but is there any other deeper dive you want to take in? Number two was the serve first mentality. So number one was the 75, 100 rule. Mm -hmm. And then the number two was the serve first mentality, which I think you've covered quite a bit. Um, Is there anything else you want to add into that one? No, I think a third topic that'd be great is our expectation versus agreement. If you want to go there. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. So expectations, clear expectations, realistic expectations. But what I love about how you talk about this, it's expectations versus agreements, right? Because you can have whatever expectation you want to, but walk us through that. Yeah. All right. Expectations versus agreements. Have you ever had an expectation of someone and they didn't do it? Hmm. Then you ask yourself, did you communicate? the expectation to them, or did you just make an assumption that they should probably know to do that? Okay. Third level. If you communicated it, did you gain agreement that they understood what you were specifically asking of them? You gave them a deadline and you really had them regurgitate it back to you so that you could be 100% like they've agreed upon this expectation. Okay. Even if you did that, was there a repercussion if they didn't do it? Probably not. And so this is a method to take your expectations and turn them into agreements that everybody understands. If we don't get this done, this is something possible that could happen and that is not good. And so how are we going to better our communication? So I have an example that actually just happened this morning. I have a new team member and I have an expectation of a deliverable that needs to happen next week. Verbally, I've spoken about it. And I realized this morning during a working session that I would be a fool to not clearly demonstrate every ounce of my expectation on it. It's a new team member. They've never done this type of work, this project for us before. Whereas I know that they've done it in the past. I mean, it's like why they're hired, but I've never seen what that looks like for their prior company. So I don't know. Can they do the work? Of course, that's why they're here. Am I blindly telling them to get this done by just simply naming the type of deliverable that needs to be completed. Well, what's going to happen if I'm not specific and I don't show an example and clearly indicate what my expectations are, there's a high chance that this person will go and do the work, send it to me. And then what's going to happen? I'm going to get triggered. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to say this person can't do the work. This doesn't meet my expectations. This wasn't what I was looking for. So I'm smarter than that. (laughs) So I took this morning, showed the deliverable as an example I spoke slow. (laughs) Shocker. I know I can do that. I articulated specifically the key elements that I wanted to see. Then I took those key elements and bullet points while I was on the meeting with them, put it into an email to say, these are the key elements that I'm expecting to see in this document. I also put a time frame: start this component of it today, schedule this component of it for Tuesday afternoon. I want to see this by Thursday morning, and then we're going to have it set for delivery on Friday. 
How can someone fail with that much detail? If I hadn't done it that way and that team member went, did it their own way and it didn't align, I, as the leader, could potentially be set up to be disappointed in that person, which then has its own snowball effect because I'm going to start telling myself stories in my head and it's going to grow potentially animosity. I'm going to bring in coaching that's unnecessary and potentially causing that employee to feel devalued. Like I believe they can't do the work. And so get it right on the front end. Expectations versus agreements that's going to save your business. When you can get this right with every single employee, you it takes you an additional two minutes when delegating, maybe wow. five, but it is going to save you pain, heartache, frustration, and save you from having to have people redo work, slow down the process. You're going to be eliminating waste from your efficiencies within the organization, from your processes. And so it's just a brilliant thing. And I have to add, you can also implement this with your significant other or a child. And it's amazing what happens because I promise when you implement this, the toilet paper roll will face the correct way. <laughs> That's always a really important thing. It took a little while for us to figure that one out in our house. I, I love the I love the concept and the way you bring to life, the expectations versus agreements. Um, you know, oftentimes we we think people know what's on our mind or we think people should know. And honestly, I'm just going to call it out when, when stuff doesn't go right and we approach it with that mindset, that's our fault. We, we need to look at the mirror, look into the mirror and see the one person who's responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And, and especially when you got big and major projects and key deadlines, setting some touch points and follow up to what's happening, especially with newer team members becomes really, it becomes important. You know, and I like the distinguishment there. You know, I've really enjoyed our, our conversation today, Mary. Mary Grothy, she's the CEO of House of Revenue, Sales BQ. What's BQ stand for? The Behavioral Quotient. Behavioral Quotient. She's also the host. Do you host all of the House of Revenue uh, podcasts or is there a I team do. that does that? Yeah, I do. So we're on 710 KNUS locally in Denver. So we have a Sunday morning radio show. You can listen to it live Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Mountain Time. They do a five-minute news break at the top of the hour. So we actually start at like 8.05. And then we take the recording from that episode, post it on our podcast channel for House of Revenue. So if you're not a Sunday morning, 8.05 a.m. Mountain Time, want to listen to it live, and you can listen to it anywhere at 710knus.com, just pick up the next day. We'll post it out on Mondays and it'll be on our House of Revenue podcast. Yes, I host it, but I bring on CEOs with me. And um, every like one out of four or five, I do by myself. The other episodes, I'm actually interviewing a CEO on the air, solving revenue challenges, raw, real, in the moment, and good press so far. We just started it a couple months ago. Very nice. Very nice. And so where's the best place for somebody to find you? Is it is it the website? Is it on LinkedIn? Like if somebody's like, I want to learn more about Mary, where, what's the best way to do that? You can find me on LinkedIn, G-R-O-T-H-E, Mary, first name. Find me there. It's an easiest way to connect. If you are a leader wanting to scale, houseofrevenue.com. If you're in the sales profession and want sales training, that's all free, salesbq.com. Awesome. And so for our listeners, all the ways we just talked about will be in the podcast description. So you'll be able to go to that. You'll be able to to link out right away. Mary, thank you so much for joining me today. You are amazing. I just, I've just really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. So today, you know, Mary has shared with us her transformation. You talk about real, genuine, authentic 
she she is just an amazing human being. I knew she was going to be an amazing guest. You know, we can talk about how to do some of these things, but hearing the examples and the real life successes uh, of a leader is there's just nothing better than it. I love the the core values, the core cornerstones of our company: serve first, scale second. You know, success always really understanding and recognizing the power of the synergy of the champions within her team, the importance of listening. And then the way she walked us through the 75, 100 rule, always serving first and expectations versus agreements. Uh, We got to make sure our expectations are clear. We've got to make sure we have agreement uh, and and we're going to be a lot less disappointed. And when we don't do those things right, again, kind of got to look in the mirror and start with us first as far as why that didn't happen. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please smash that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Uh, Consider giving us a rating or review so we can reach more people organically. This podcast is 100% organic. We love seeing the growth because that just means we're helping more people. And remember, always be committed to excellence.